You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the QB Go Show. This is episode 11 brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. This is a special Super Bowl Sco Show edition. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always, joining me on the QB Go Show it wouldn't be the Sco Show without him. He is QB1 in my heart. Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark. How you doing, brother? Long time no see. Long time no see, buddy. We just got back for a week down in lovely Mobile, Alabama. And can I say that it's nice to have actually been an adult down at the Senior Bowl. Is that what we were? Let, let me preface it this way. <laughs> let me put it, frame it this way for our lovely listeners. Mobile is an adult playground. And in years past, say my first three trips down to Mobile, I tried to act like a 24-year-old and not the 42-year-old man that I am. And that got me into trouble. Let me just say that I, it, after last year's Super Bowl, and Mike will attest to this, that Thursday practice in the stands, I looked like a shell of a human being. It took me perhaps two weeks to feel normal again. This year, however, I acted like more of an adult. So when everybody decided, that, look, let's go to the after hours bar, I begged off. When people decided, we're going to discover the 24-hour bar, which yes, Mobile, Alabama has 24-hour bars. And they decided to you know stumble back home to their hotel rooms or Airbnbs when the sun was up. I was sleeping myself away. When I drove to the airport at four in the morning to leave Friday morning and put out a tweet as I was driving away, I wonder if people are still up staggered at home for the bars. There were, yes, 15 or so people that said, hi, it me, but it wasn't me. I was an actual functional adult while still behaving like an absolute idiot. So I, I'm proud of the effort we did down at Mobile. We put in yeoman's work. We did it up at feats as we always do, but I'm excited to talk about some fo- football with you, my friend. We were pretty well behaved. I didn't get into a whole lot of trouble. There was one night where I think I took it too far with the drinking. I believe that was Tuesday because the Wednesday practice was canceled. And I think everyone that night knew this is the night that we're, we're, just, we're just going for. I, I think it was phrased best by Mike Tanier over at Bleacher Report when the news came out you know, Tuesday evening that because of the weather that was going to be in Mobile on Wednesday and because the practice bubble at South Alabama was such a size that they could only allow two NFL personnel people per team in, media would be closed. Mike Tanier basically tweeted out, well, somebody's getting alcohol poisoned in Mobile tonight. And everybody kind of knew that, look, this is the night to light the candle. And that's kind of how the you know things went down. So it's always a fun time down in Mobile. It's always great to catch up with people. But obviously, we have to talk about the Super Bowl. But as we do in each episode of the QB Sco Show, we talk a little history. Because look, we are here to educate the wonderful and amazing listeners over at Bleeding Green Nation, one of the top 200 podcasts out there. It's one of the best podcast networks there is. We'd like to start with a little bit of history. We do. And Mike, I know that you've been doing some things to get ready for both some draft stuff. I know you're going to be releasing some running back rankings soon. You're getting ready for the draft. So you're basically going to turn the microphone over to me to talk history, which I'm excited to do because when I sat down to research for this show, yeah, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, two quarterbacks, whatever. I was more excited to research the history part. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had no idea. We're recording this on Wednesday, January 30th. I had absolutely no idea just how influential and important this date in history was. Okay? Go for it. Let's start with just four birthdays. Okay? Four people born on this day in January 30th. And think about how life might have been different without them. 1882, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, American politician, 32nd president of the United States, author of The New Deal, pulls the country out of depression, enters us in to World War II. Vanessa Redgrave, 1937, an amazing English actress. 1941, Dick Cheney, American politician, 46th vice president of the United States, perhaps with a little asterisk there, you can make the argument that he was sort of a de facto president. We don't want to go down that road, but you could. And for anybody out there, Michael, you might get this. You probably will. I'm right there with it. Anybody that played high school football, maybe even just high school sports, 1951, Phil Collins, you listened, admit it, you listened to In the Air Tonight before every single game. It wouldn't have been possible without that date in 19, without that birth in 1930. Those are just four births. Let's talk about some things that happened on this day just generally. Let's go. 1982, the first computer virus is released into the wild by Eric Cloner. Eric Cloner was the name, Elk Cloner, excuse me, was the virus created by a 15-year-old as a practical joke. 1972, Bloody Sunday, British troops kill 13 unarmed protesters, one of the most significant events of the Northern Ireland conflict. And yes, for a YouTube fan like myself, it led to a pretty good song as well. <laughs> Speaking of music, 1969, the Beatles, they give their last public performance ah. on the rooftop of the Apple Corps building at 3 Seville Row in London. 1945, near the end of World War II, as hostilities were perhaps winding down. The Willem Gustav was sunk by a Soviet submarine during that conflict. 9,400 people perished in the deadliest maritime disaster in history. And why were we in that conflict? Because on January 30th of 1933, Adolf Hitler becomes Chancellor of Germany, ushered in the Third Reich and ushered out and marking the end of the Weimar Republic. And for those of you listening who would like to learn more about that era of German history, the Weimar Republic, as it were, I could not recommend enough. Weimar Germany, Promise and Tragedy by Eric Weitz. It is a fantastic book studying and analyzing and outlining that period in German history at the end of World War I, before the Third Reich and the rise to power of Adolf Hitler, and how Germany was on the cusp of so many advances in art, in literacy, in music, in literature, but it was all ushered away on that date in January of 1933, this day in history, when Hitler rose to power. Mark, can I tell you, bud, you crushed that. Dude, can we just stop the show right now? Forget the <laughs> Super Bowl, man. Boom. We're going to start a new history podcast. This is why I, I knew I could leave it to you. I could focus on what I needed to do with getting out the top five running backs from Bleeding Green Nation. I knew that you were going to knock it out of the park. Great job, man. Now, there is a little game coming up that we have to talk about. It's called the Super Bowl. You may have heard of it. So today we will be talking about Patriots, Rams with the focus, as always on this show. Well, history has been a major focus, but football this time. Perhaps the better focus. I would argue the takes are better with the history stuff. Especially when it comes to my QB takes. So we'll be talking about the quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Jared Goff. So digging right in, Mark, you recently wrote an awesome piece for InsideThePylon.com titled Tom Brady. Josh McDaniels in the 2018 passing game. Right out of the gate, I saw an interesting quote that I'll read here and I'll have you explain. Quote, it sounds almost sacrilegious, the idea of giving perhaps the best quarterback of all time some help, 
But McDaniels does a tremendous job of helping his quarterback in a variety of ways. One of the ways that the Patriots offensive coordinator helps his quarterback is by helping his receivers, unquote. Sticking with the help that McDaniels gives to the wide receivers, explain to the gentle listeners how that's achieved. If you go back and watch, say, their drive in overtime to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and advance to Super Bowl 53, a lot of people were mesmerized at Tony Romo's ability to identify what was happening, call out the Mm. plays, and call out the coverages. And the reason he was able to do that is because of what Josh McDaniels does in designing plays. Josh McDaniels uses motion, whether full motion or on that drive, what we saw more of was short motion, to do two things, to accomplish two goals. First, he gives his quarterback, Tom Brady, who, yes, is one of the best to play the game, who wins with his mind perhaps more than anything else, but he gives him an extra bit of information. He gives them a zone versus man cue. And so Brady can stand there pre-snap. His receiver goes in motion, usually Julian Edelman. And if somebody's trailing that, he knows that it's man coverage. And if he looks up and sees two safeties, he knows it's probably man cover two. Or if he sees one safety Mm. deep, he knows it's probably man, you know, cover one. And so you get that sort of indication. And of course, there are things you can do to sort of disguise that, but the Chiefs weren't disguising it at that point. And so when you see that, you know, okay, two safeties, it's two man. And, and Romo could see that. And then, you know, anybody that's played the position or studied the position knows that, okay, well, here are some routes you probably use to beat two men. So that's the first thing he does. He gives Brady information. But the other thing that he does is he puts his receivers, particularly one like Julian Edelman, who is quick, who is shifty, but isn't the most strong wide receiver out there. He gets him into some stack slots or he gets him into some situations where he's not going to get a jam off the line of scrimmage. If you can jam Julian Edelman, you have a better chance at covering him. But if he gets that free release or if he's in a stack slot where it creates some traffic, you're not going to get a hand on him. And if that's the situation, chances are he's able to win the route. I know when we were down in Mobile, there was this sort of discussion that, you know, whether he's a slot, re- you know, whether he's a Hall of Fame receiver, or is he one of the best receivers of the game? I'm yeah. not one. Look, I love Julian Edelman. I think he's a fantastic slot receiver. I'm not a believer in wide receiver wins, for example. And until you sort of carve out an extra position designation in the Hall of Fame for slot receivers, I don't think you could put him in over, you know, boundary types. But he's so effective at what he does. And it's emblematic of how the Patriots construct their roster. Now, and there was a great tweet float out today. You know, somebody had retweeted about how you know the Patriots look at players and they they ask the right question. The wrong question that people always ask is, where does he struggle? What can't he do? The Patriots look at a player and say, what can he do? And they look at Edwin, they see his ability to win with quickness. They realize that, look, he can't beat jams. So why ask him to do that? We'll get him into a situation where he doesn't face a jam. And so you combine those things by just using motion with Edelman to get him an advantage and get an open for Brady. And you're also giving Brady some information pre-snap so his decisions after the snap are faster and more correct. And we all know that Tom Brady and the New England Patriots want to get the ball out of Brady's hands at 1.5 to 2.0 seconds after the snap. That's going to be increasingly important this week with the destroyer of worlds, Aaron Donald, across the line of scrimmage. And so the more information you can give your quarterback before the ball is snapped, the faster it's out of his hands once the ball is in his hand. And when you've done it in a way that gets Julian Edelman or somebody else open, all the better. You made the point about, you know, what what can a player can do? And I remember going through the scouting academy and mm-hmm. one of one of my very first reports, I remember saying, I think it was about Melvin Gordon. And I was saying, well, he can do this, but he can't do this, he can't do this, he can't do this. 
and Dan in what I can only imagine was him slamming his keyboard, but came across very professional. I was like, don't tell me what he can't do. I want to know what he can do. What can he bring to this team? That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in the other stuff. Tell me what he can do. So the Patriots do a great job of really taking in what a player can do and then accentuating those strengths. And they do that very well with Edelman. The other part that I wanted to hit on, there was a great tweet. You were talking about Tony Romo calling out the plays and everything like that. Uh, James Palmer tweeted out, I think it was on the 28th. He said, I asked Wade Phillips about planning for Tom Brady in the postseason and what's the plan this time around. He told me his plan is to get an earpiece with Tony Romo in to tell him what's going to happen before each play. Romo does a great job with that stuff and is able to see the same things that that Brady is seeing pre-snap because the Patriots do such a great job of giving indicators to Brady before the snap to set him up for success. Now, the other things that they do to set them up for success in that same piece that we talked about earlier for InsideThePilot.com, it highlighted how the Patriots scheme James White, the running back, who they move all around. Uh, One play in particular is one where they clear it out a side with two vertical routes got James White on a corner route, which gives you such an added dimension to the passing game when you can threaten downfield with your running backs. From your perspective, what do the Patriots do well when it comes to unleashing James White as a receiver? One of the ways that the Patriots have been so effective over the years is that they've always had that matchup type weapon at the running back position. This is an offense that is predicated on winning matchups, uh, identified mismatches, dictating to the defense, defensive personnel, dictating to the defense, perhaps even coverages, and then running the play designed to beat what they've dictated or told the defense to do. If you think about the Patriots over the run of the Brady-Belichick era, think of some of the running backs that they've had. You know, whether it's, you know, way back in the day with with a Kevin Falk or a Rex Burkhead now or a Danny Woodhead earlier or a James White now. They've had that player that is part running back, part wide receiver, part slot receiver, and it gives them the ability to be multiple with multiple personnel packages. And, you know, for example, against Kansas City, what they were able to do was come out in a two running back package with James Devlin. You know, so you come out 21 package, James Devlin, and then you've got, say, Rex Burkhead in the game. What do you do as Bob Sutton? What is your response when you see that onto the field? Do you go base because they've got a fullback in the game? If you do, the Patriots will do what they did, which was then motion Burkhead out. And now you've got a linebacker against the guy that could probably play on most teams as a slot receiver. Do you go nickel or dime? Do you ex- anticipate that's their response to what you do? In which case, you know, McDaniels will say, fine. We'll run, you know, fullback zone lead to the left and to the right until you call a timeout or we have to have a play stoppage because we'll just run it down your throat. And Mm. with White, it's similar. You know, they've been a bit more predictable in terms of run versus pass when White is in the game versus Sony Michelle, which is why one of the things I'm curious to see on Super Bowl Sunday is if when White is in the game, we see them throw the ball more because the run pass splits with those two guys are pretty predictive. With White, they throw it 82% of the time. With Michelle in the game, they run it 70% of the time. So they've been a bit predictable in that way. But with White in particular, you know, again, this is a guy that you could run the football with. We all remember him scoring a touchdown on a power toss play to win Super Bowl 51. But he has the ability as a receiver both out of the backfield, as a receiver in the screen game, and yet somebody that they put into empty formations all the time as a slot receiver. What they love to do is tying it into the first point, 
particularly down in the scoring area on the goal line and you know short yarded situations they'll go empty with white flexed out then motion him back in see how they respond now brady has that pre-snap cue at a couple of times this year they've shown that look teams see white coming into the backfield and they just think okay well we've been right we've we've prepped for this we know that now they're shifting him into the backfield and they've just kept him in motion to run fly sweep with them they caught the bears with that and the bears weren't ready for it and so you know white gives them that versatility burkhead gives them that versatility it's something they've done all the time they love dictating personnel and matchups and then exploiting them and that's something they're going to try to do again on Sunday against the Rams. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are you expecting a big day from Brady against this Rams defense that has been susceptible, but generally pretty decent against the pass? Or do you expect the Patriots, you know, we talk about power, facing a run funnel team like the Rams, Wade Phillips will concede some, some run yards. Uh, do you see them being more of the power team that they've kind of transformed into recently? I'll preface it with, you know, having studied the Patriots for years, having been a fan of this team since before I was covering them professionally, trying to dictate and determine and predict a game plan, a personnel <laughs> package. is It's a fool's errand. You're going to be wrong. I mean, it's a yeah. guarantee. It's like, you know, me going out to Veets after midnight. You know you're going to be wrong. Yes. But that being said, I think you're going to see a, a start in script similar to what we saw against the Chiefs. They're going to come out with that 21 personnel package with Devlin, with Sony Michelle, try to establish the run a bit. You know, see if they can get the ground game going, run it right at these guys. Because yes, Eric Donald, destroyer of worlds, you know, he's he's had some great plays against the run, but they've conceded, like you said, some some yardage on the ground, even though they've been much better in the playoffs. I think that's where they want to be right now. They still have the ability, like we saw in the end of that AFC Championship game, where, look, if they can put it on Tom Brady and they have to do that, they've got enough in the arsenal and he has enough bullets left in the chamber you know, to, to make the throws that he needs to make. And that was sort of part of the piece that I wrote at ITP is that you, know, you can make the case that perhaps there's been some slippage and he's not the quarterback he used to be. And you look at some of the decisions and the mistakes that he's made, a mistake at the end of the first half against Miami, you know, a bad pick against the Steelers in that game. You know, Even some of the throws that he's made in the postseason have been somewhat questionable. I mean, if not for D Ford forgetting how to line up, Gronk did drop that pass, but still, we wouldn't be talking about these two teams. But still, you know, we saw it over time, you know, the, the ability to make some throws when he needed it to. We've seen some great throws from him this year. And so I think they're going to try to have a similar script, try to be that 21 personnel team with some matchups here and there. But they've shown the ability that, look, they can throw the ball if necessary. And the thing about 
this Rams secondary, you know, I studied all 19 of their interceptions they had this year, 18 in the regular season, one in the postseason. And I thought going in, this is one of those, you know, you have a predetermined notion in mind, but the evidence leads you somewhere else. I thought going in, look, with Donald and company, they're all going to be throws influenced by pressure. And seven of them were. You know, then I thought, well, look, they must be doing something to confuse quarterbacks. And I think there was only one interception where I thought, man, the QB got, got there. And it was actually mm. Nick Foles, you know, in that game in week 15. <laughs> I hate to I hate to bring that up. Oh, yeah. But they were running that sort of post, that pout, post out concept, yep. you know, to the tight end side. And you get the post route and then you get Ertz on the out route. Rams are a cover one, cover three, single high heavy team. He's expected to keep to leave, to sort of stay on the post a bit longer. So he yeah. thinks he has the window to then throw that out. But to leave baits him into it, peels off that post route quicker than Foles expects and jumps in front of Ertz for the pick. That was the only time this year that a quarterback really kind of got fooled or baited by this Rams secondary. For the most part, quarterbacks have just done dumb things. You know, they've been slow with their reads, cough, Mitch Trubisky, cough, or they've done <laughs> dumb things looking at Case Keenum. And they've capitalized on that. We don't associate slow and dumb with Tom Brady for the most part. And so I don't anticipate absent pressure, this secondary forcing a ton of mistakes from him. So that's a great point that you bring up. And you also talked about 21 personnel, which is something that I kind of want to talk about maybe on the umbrella of this. But are there, are there any particular concepts or personal matchups or maybe even individual matchups? Like if you could highlight one thing that the Patriots might utilize or exploit that's catered to beating this Rams defense. Let's go matchup first, go sort of like macro, then micro. Um, I mean, excuse me, they'll go scheme first. We'll go macro, then micro. As I said, this is a cover one, cover three heavy team. You know, a lot of single high stuff. You know, with Peters and Tlaib in there, they feel a little bit more comfortable playing zone. They trust those guys in zone a bit more. Um, Now that, you know, Tlaib is back, they've played a little bit more cover three stuff. This is a team, a Patriots team, that's designed to beat cover three. We think about some of their matchups against the Steelers, although you know the past two seasons in those games, the Steelers got away from playing cover three because Brady was just carving it up so much. But yeah. some of the route concepts that they love to run, you know, for example, a staple of theirs is Haas wide juke. You have it's a mirrored, you know, Haas concept where You've got a hitch route on the outside, seam routes from the slot receivers, and Lynn Edelman with that sort of juke route and option route over the middle. That is a designed cover three beater. Those inside seams, you have Hogan on one, maybe Gronk on the other. Those They bracket the free safety in that cover three, that cover three look, and you work those seams, which is the soft spot in cover three. Those outside hitch routes, those corners don't have dedicated safety help. So they have to respect yeah. the vertical threat. So basically all four routes are designed to be open against that coverage. And then if nothing else, you've got Edelman running what he does best, which is one of those option routes. The Patriots have their sort of wheel route series. They love sort of the exit and enter concept where they might run what they call goalie which is the outside receiver on a go and then the slot receiver on a wheel or an out and up, which is that sort of exit and entered or follow concept where you run that defender off that corner. He has to carry the vertical and then you've got that slot receiver then enter in the spot that's been vacated. And so they've got route concepts designed to beat a ton of what they do. They love OPEC, you know, which is a two receiver concept. Slot receiver runs an option route, usually Julian Edelman. Outside receiver has what they call a Q route, which is a convertible route based on the coverage. If he's facing off coverage 
like you would against cover three, you run that comeback route, which is a perfect route against cover three, because again, that outside boundary corner without safety help over the top has to respect the vertical. You break that off at about 18 back to 15, Brady can still make that throw. And so they've got stuff in to beat cover three. And let's not forget, look, We'll get more into the one-on-one matchups now, but they faced a cover three heavy team in the divisional round against the Chargers. They faced a cover one heavy team in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. And that's where you might see some of these matchups. You might see... For example, them trying to get, you know, an Edelman or even a Hogan, those guys on a Marcus Peters who's been susceptible to some double moves. Edelman on one of Brady's best throws of the year was a double move, sort of sluggo and seam go um, against Desmond King in the slot against the Chargers and was one of Brady's great throws. You know, Tlaib has given up some vertical routes. You know, you think back to that game in week 15 with the Eagles, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, anytime we talked about this earlier, you know, this on this show, anytime Foles saw cover one, he was going deep to Jeffrey. And Jeffrey got a couple of big plays against Akeem Tlaib on those designs. You might see Patterson matched up a couple of times against Tlaib for those one-on-one deep shots. And then, of course, there's you know Barron and the other linebacker type players for the Rams. They've got to deal with these running backs. And so you'll see some situation where they're trying to get maybe White isolated on Barron. You know, Alvin Kamara had some success out of the backfield. Running backs have had some success against the Rams. And we know the Patriots like to use running backs in the passing game. And so as a Patriots fan, as a host of the Lockdown Patriots podcast, I feel pretty comfortable provided Aaron Donald doesn't wreck everything <laughs> that the Patriots yeah. will be able to put up some points against this defense. It's interesting because as you were talking, because the Eagles run a mix of cover one and cover three, and I'm like, these are the same concepts that we were talking about in depth yeah. last year leading up to the Super Bowl, especially Haas White Juke. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely look out for those. Let's switch it over to Goff. Let's talk about Jared Goff, Los Angeles Rams quarterback, who we spoke about on the QB Sco Show number six. Make sure to go back and listen to that for some more context. But at that time that we spoke, he was going through some things. He quietly had a poor game against the Lions. He had a terrible game against the Bears, and I don't think that's being hyperbolic. And he was up and down against the Eagles. Since that stretch... I still see a quarterback that concerns me, especially when pressure gets close. Are you seeing the same thing or are you higher on golf than I might be? No, we have some of the same concerns. I think, you know, the pressure point is a very good one. He does sort of seem to struggle when faced with pressure. Now, here's the thing, and I want to, and I want to qualify this for the listeners. I understand that pressure affects a lot of quarterbacks. I'm saying it comes at a, at a next level. It affects him at another level than it does other quarterbacks. We all know that quarterback rating is going to drop on your face of pressure, but I think it impacts Goff's process and technique and delivery. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm there with you on that because you know, I, I studied all 13 of his interceptions. There's a piece on ITP about you know what I learned from studying those. And in looking at those, for example, a, a picky through week two in the third quarter against Arizona, he was pressured. He does a good job avoiding the sack, um, but he under, then underthrows an adjusted seven route and it's picked. Or week six against Denver in the third quarter on a third and 10, he's moved off a spot due to pressure. The throw comes late and it's picked. There are other examples of him getting pressured. You know, one throw against the Bears, fourth quarter. With about two minutes left to go in a 15-6 game, he's pressured. Throw comes out late. It's a long throw and an out route, and it's picked. And so pressure has certainly been part of the mix. But another thing we study in golf, and please, for the love of God, if there is a member of the Patriots coaching staff listening to my work, I hope you will drill into the members of the Patriots secondary, the three-word phrase I've come up with studying golf, put this into the mind of the Patriots defensive backs. Exploit the hesitation. Because Goff is still a quarterback that despite some of the advances that he's made under Sean McVay, 
there are still times where he will not only look at his first read and stare it down, but he will then hesitate. You look at interception he threw against the Rams in week nine, late in the first half. There's late rotation. He locks on to the band eight post route. He peeks cursory to the left, but then comes right to it and then hesitates. And the linebacker underneath just reads his eyes and steps right in front of it. And it got worse from there. You look at his first interception against Chicago. Second quarter, it's a first and 20 play. It's four verts uh, versus a cover two look. And you get that cover two look, you sort of bracket in that you know middle linebacker, that Tampa two linebacker. He looks at this inside seam route from the left and just freezes. And then pressure, he gets hit, it's underthrown, and it's picked. Later in that game, smash route to the right. He throws the seven route. He looks that corner route the whole way. And I literally counted how many seconds it took from him hitting his drop depth and throwing that seven route. And he was looking at it from the time he got the snap to the time he released it. And Michael, it was almost three seconds from when he hit his drop depth in the pocket and released the football. And three seconds is an eternity in the National Football League. We just got done about talking about how Tom Brady and the Patriots want to get the ball out of his hands in 1.5 to 2 seconds. That's from snap to release, not drop depth to release. And here we have Jared Goff doing that. And so there are still moments, and there are more examples. I don't want to bore our listeners any more than I already have, but there are still these <laughs> examples of him hesitating on making these throws. And if the Patriots exploit that hesitation, they're going to force some turnovers. The question will be, do they do that or not? If they miss those chances, the Rams offense can still put up some points. So early scripting, how do the Rams avoid that hesitation and make things easy for him? Because I'm going to be interested in how they set up these things for later and get him going early on based on you know how the Patriots react to it. What are some things that you expect from McVay to try to get Goff settled in while still trying to get the intermediate and vertical game going. Because I know in your piece about McVeigh and Goff, you mentioned a lot of half-field reads to simplify the process for Goff. Do you expect more of the same? I mean, I expect a ton of half-field reads. I expect a lot of mirrored passing concepts. I expect you know, them to even simplify the offense a bit more early in the game with some scripted stuff to get him into the flow of the game. The one thing I'm very curious about is, look, this was a predominantly outside zone team throughout the regular season. They ran outside zone 280 times, 1,555 yards on outside zone, most in the league. You know, they had 5.6 yards per attempt on outside zone, most in the league. 1.7 yards before contact per outside zone rush and play, most in the league. 84 first first downs and either 14 or 16 touchdowns. Both of those, stop me if you've heard this before, most in the <laughs> league. And so this was an outside zone team with Tom Gurley, Todd Gurley, and so much of what they did was structured around that in the passing game because they would use it to sort of set up you know, the boot action off of it, the play action off of it. And the other thing to remember with how outside zone and then boot action or play action off of it is executed. And Justice Mosqueda, who works for Optimum Scouting in the XFL, he had a great point, a quick little thread on this on Twitter a couple of days ago was – The quarterback will turn his back to the defense when carrying out that fake. So for you second Mm. and third level defenders, it's much tougher to pick up where the ball is. Did he hand it off or not? Now, Mm. with Gurley perhaps being a bit banged up and with the emergence of C.J. Anderson, he's more a north-south guy. So they're more of an inside zone team. When you're carrying out that fake, you don't turn your back to the defense. And so it's easier. That little half second, that half step, that half beat, 
it sometimes makes a difference. And so that's going to be what I'm most curious to see from the Rams on Sunday. Are they going to try to go back to Gurley and try to get that outside zone stuff because it's going to give them that extra half beat, which for golf, when you're holding the ball for three seconds might make a difference. Or if they stay that sort of inside zone team and then base the play action stuff off of that, like Justice pointed out so adeptly, it's easier for the second and third level defenders to figure out where the ball is. Yeah, and I think I retweeted that. You can find that at J-U-M-O-S-K. M-O-S-Q. You said it's somebody like a cologne, like Jay Musk. That sounds like a French cologne. My bad, Justice. Justice Mosqueda, our friend, awesome dude. Saw him down in Mobile. Good to catch up with him. At J-U-M-O-S-Q is where you can check that thread out. Great points that he brought up there. Mark, any other uh, overarching themes or specific things that you want to talk about before we get to predictions? You know, I, I think that ultimately, if I can impart one piece of advice, one recommendation for people to watch when this game is played out, and this focuses on when the Patriots have the football, and we just spent a lot of time talking about the Patriots and how they do things offensively in the passing game and Tom Brady and all that, ignore number 12. Ignore 87, 11, 15, 13, 28, 34, 76, hot, whatever. I think I see where you're going with this, and I love it. Watch the chess game between yeah. Phillips and that defensive line and Dante Scarnecchia and this Patriots offensive line, which has become such a great cohesive unit. Our friend Shane Alexander, yeah. when I put together that Twitter thread about you know Aaron Donald that like, gave me nightmares, which is just, it, it deserves an NC-17 rating. That's how violent and terrifying it is. When I put together that thread, he had a great tweet quote of it, which was basically the chess match between Phillips and Skarnecchia is going to be the best chess match since the Cold War. Again, look, little history tie-in. But that matchup is going to be fascinating because Donald had, you know, his 23 and a half sacks, most ever for an interior defensive lineman. You know, his, his interior defensive line tape this year is just a thin of beauty. He's an edge defender who can run and bend the arc like an edge defender, an edge defender, but doing it on the inside. His hand usage is incredible. He can put together a pass Russian plan that would make guys like Vaughn Miller jealous. I mean, you look at two sacks he had of Kirk Cousins first. You know, he gives you the step to the outside, then a quick swim move to the inside to the A gap. Tom Compton, the left guard maybe not the best left guard of the league. A lot of people like to point that out to me, mostly Patriots fans, but look, he's good. Aaron Donald's good, guys. It's not, you know, let's not go down that road. Compton <laughs> has no chance. And then what does he do later? He, you know, sets him up, you know, quick little step to the inside and then just rip move to the outside, runs right around him and literally tosses Kirk Cousins to the ground like a ragdoll. So Donald is great. And yes, he's been limited somewhat in the playoffs, just one hit, three pressures, but he still impacts the game. You look at the most pivotal play that wasn't the non-call at the end of regulation, but that interception in overtime, the Saints, they slide their center and the protection to Donald's side because he's also getting a Dominican too. Oh yeah, that guy too, on the same side of the defensive line. So they slide the three guys to the left, which leaves you with the one-on-one -on -one situations backside. Dante Fowler wins his, gets to Breeze, forces the bad throw, interception. Now you go kick the field goal and go to the Super Bowl. I mean, so that chess match is going to be huge. Wherever Aaron Donald lines up, David Andrews, is he going to slide that way? Is their center going to be able to give him them help? And if so, do the Rams win those one-on-ones on the other side or do the Patriots? So that chess match is going to be fascinating. Watch the battle in the trenches on Sunday night. That's going to be the best part of this game, I think. Mark. 
you are crushing this, dude. You can tell that you've been doing radio spots and podcasts like for a week and a half straight on this stuff because you are you are in there, man. It's awesome to have you as a resource for our listeners to get prepped for the Super Bowl. But here it comes, the big moment. Right now, the line is at the Patriots are favored by two and a half points. The over-under is 58. I'm not even going to ask you if they cover or not. I'm just going to ask you straight up, do the Patriots beat the Los Angeles Rams? I know, I know you're a Patriots fan, so I'm going to phrase it that way. And uh, go ahead go ahead and give me the over-under at 58. Give me that first, and then give me uh, who you think wins. You know what's amazing about this, this game with so many storylines? And a storyline that I keep coming back to is how life sometimes comes in circles. We think back to Super Bowl 36 when everybody, everybody, let's face it, was rooting for the Patriots. They were the ultimate underdog story with this guy drafted in the sixth round, 199, wasn't the starter to begin the season. And yes, there's, there's sort of that post 9-11 world where, oh my gosh, it's the New England Patriots. How how appropriate would that be? <laughs> and they win the game 20-17 to 17 against you know one of the greatest offenses ever assembled, but you know the genius of Bill Belichick and his game plan and Brady showing us perhaps a glimpse into the, what he might become, even though, look, Brady didn't have a fantastic game, but he had the touchdown pass. And yeah, he led the drive at the end to put them in position to win. So you have a 20 to 17 game. I keep coming back to that number. I keep coming back to New England 20, Ram 17. And I know this is a matchup between, you know, two offenses that can put up points, you know, two defenses that at times have given up points. And that's why that over-under is 58. But I just can't help but imagine how wonderful a story that would be of life again coming full circle. You know, the Patriots dynasty maybe ending where it began with a win over the Rams of a 20 to 17 game. And then maybe Brady, Belichick, Gronkowski, they all decide, look, you know what? Let's ride off into the sunset together. I mean, maybe that's how this story is supposed to end. And maybe that's one of those storylines that if you sat down at a pitch meeting with a media company, a movie company, a TV company, Hulu, Netflix, you know, the guy down the street that's going to start one of his own kind of companies, and you pitch that, they would laugh you out of the room. But sometimes that's how stories end, with the unpredictable and the unimaginable coming to life in front of us on the game's ultimate stage, the biggest sports entertainment night of the year. And so that's where I come down, my friend. 20 to 17, the dynasty sort of ends where it began. Okay, so you heard it there. Patriots riding off into the sunset. Mark, great stuff. Uh, remind all the gentle listeners before we get out of here, some may be new listeners to the show recently, where they can find you and uh, all your work before we get out of here. Uh, Veet's Bar and Grill outside of yes. um, in Mobile, Alabama, right across the street from the Renaissance Hotel is the place you can probably find my best work. But all joking aside, <laughs> um, first of all, look, man. I think people can sort of tell from how you and I interact. Look, I love doing the show. We're great working together. It's been a blast doing this show. Can't wait to keep doing the show. It's a ton of fun. Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter at Mark Schofield. I work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, The Score, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Big Blue View, part of the SB Nation family of websites, as well as, of course, Bleeding Green Nation and the QB Sco Show here. And if Eagles fans are curious to learn more about this matchup in Super Bowl 53, a host of the Lockdown Patriots podcast as well. That has been the QB Sco Show, episode number 11. Enjoy this Super Bowl coming up. Have a good time, stress-free. Don't worry about it. If the Rams win, it's still an asterisk because they don't belong there anyway. Mark, we are out of here. This has go, been the QB Sco Show. We'll see you next time. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Call mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.